spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic, and sometimes not-so-classic, monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio! Hey everyone, I'm your host, D.B. Spitzer. This is Black Clock Audio Tales, and it is October. Halloween has already happened, or is about to happen, depending on when you listen to this. But, know this. This is the episode when Ken Height talks about ghost stories, and what the greatest ghost stories are, and what you can look for in a ghost story, and what's a good ghost story, what's a bad ghost story. Mostly what a good ghost story is, because, you know what? Why talk about stuff that isn't that great? All right, here we go. Me and Ken Height talking about ghost stories. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by bunnyslippers.com and founditemclothing.com. It's cold. Put some slippers on your feet, dummy. Hey, don't go outside without a cool t-shirt on. People are going to make fun of you. They're all going to laugh. So why don't you get a cool shirt from, like, Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah, that movie didn't stand up to the test of time, but those shirts sure did. Anyway, you could be cool like Curtis Armstrong, a.k.a. Booger, and, you know, wear a Greasy Tony's t-shirt. Or be cool like D.B. Spitzer, and wear a Bad News Bears t-shirt all the time. <laughs> all right, back to the show. Ken Hite, ghosts! All right, hey Ken, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, we're talking about ghost stories this month, uh, the month of October. It's almost Halloween, and I figured I'd get you on to talk about ghost stories because that's definitely in your wheelhouse i think it's wall uh, what wallpaper is your wheelhouse but it, it is um uh, it is a uh, important component of my wheelhouse it's it's uh, a load-bearing member of my wheelhouse all right yeah i mean ghost stories for me this is probably a very standard pattern but obviously you, you come to ghost stories from camp you know camps and and sleepaways when you're a kid mm-hmm. and then you slowly discover sort of maybe you're lucky enough to have a, a haunted house or a ghost place that, that's that's near you. And you sort of, uh, you know, t- the kids today, they have their goosebumps and their scary stories to tell in the dark. Back in our day, we didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to dig it out. But then at some point, you run into Mr. James and you say, well, there we go. That's it. It's perfect. And then you, I, I think personally... That the ghost story, qua ghost story, is still waiting for its Beethoven. Yeah. Right? That M.R. James is the Mozart of the ghost story. That he writes 30 perfect ghost stories and uh, three or four almost perfect ghost stories. Maybe it's not that high, but it's mostly perfect ghost stories. 
proves it can be done. And then virtually everyone post James is either writing perfectly fine, but not in not as good as James ghost stories, or they're trying to figure out the Beethoven uh, shift that lets you take the ghost story. And I'm not saying the horror novel with a ghost in it. I'm yeah. saying your straight up ghost story. Hmm. Um, and and reinvent the form and, and make it a bigger uh, 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 form than, than James left it. And I don't know that anyone has done that really. Um, except, you know, and again, and again, maybe, you, you, I mean, you, you could sort of say that Shirley Jackson did it with Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. But because Haunting of Hill House never actually reveals a ghost qua ghost, right? There's there's the same sort of Jamesian sense of something is touching you. Mm -hmm. uh, there's that tactile horror to it. But it's not a straight up, you know, I saw a specter, uh, right? It's It's got its own sort of the house is the, is the ghost. The house yeah. is the haunting. Um, but there's not a, um, uh, a straight up, um, uh, uh, a vision. Uh, there's not a, a, a specter. Um, it's about Eleanor being possessed by the haunted house. So in a way, Shirley Jackson points the direction towards ghost stories. Aren't about the ghost. They're about the narrator and the experiencer mm -hmm. and this person that is having this, horrible need or fear filled by the experience and so that points you towards you know, Robert Block and it points you towards Ramsey Campbell and it points you towards uh, to a lesser extent Stephen King mm -hmm. and Peter Straub's uh, novel ghost story is, is very much all about that even though it's got some great ghost stuff in it but the Jamesian ghost story which is about the ghost is sort of left you know high on the rock as the ocean goes away. And it's not the same thing as uh, Beethoven blows up the symphony. Yeah. Um, it's it's very much a, well, we can't do a better ghost. Let's see if we can do a better ghost experiencer and then use the insights of modernism to do that. Hmm. Is that, and, and so maybe the ghost story is, is actually a relic of the, of the uh, Edwardian era. And you can't do a better ghost story because the modern day audience will want to hear about the, the experiencer's interior life, which to James is not particularly important. What do you think? Do you think there are great 20th century ghost stories that I've oh. uh, neglected? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, part of me feels like the ghost story is a thing of its time. Like it's, it's like how nowadays in horror movies, people have to cheat by like making it so that cell phones don't work because you know, the horror movie was a thing of a different time when we didn't have cell phones and we weren't super connected. I feel like, I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I, I think different, different types of stories definitely lend themselves to specific types of media. And I, I think the ghost story and how we think about science and religion and everything else has changed from the Edwardian era, definitely. And I don't know, I don't think we can get a good ghost story just like... You know, now that um, we'll never have another H.P. Lovecraft because, you know, congenital syphilis isn't a thing. <laughs> well, first of all, don't rule it out. <laughs> <laughs> As much of a thing. I mean, there's still traveling salesmen. Syphilis so... has, taken some, has taken some beatings, but it's, I, I feel like if smallpox and measles can come back, syphilis is ready. All right. Syphilis is, is in it out. Um, and, and again, this is not to say there are not... You, you could 
you know, filled two or three books with good, with great ghost stories that are written since James. I mean, Tim Powers has written some some great ghost stories and some adventure novels that have ghosts in them. Um, and his ghosts are very good and interesting and human in a way that James's ghosts are not, which I think is another interesting way to, to do it is to talk about ghosts as literally relics or shadows or impressions left by people. And I think that that's the kind of ghost story you get if you write after the sort of uh, psychic theorizers of ghosts mm-hmm. started uh, their work beginning in the 1890s and then running through like the 1940s. So you have your people like, uh, um, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Harry Price. You have people like Hans Holzer, uh, these sort of ghost investigators of one or another degree of credibility and their notion that sort of tries to scientize ghosts a little bit and say, oh, they're, they're uh, pieces of recording tape left, you know, stuck in the, in the wall. Yeah. Uh, and, and you sort of see and experience that over and over again. Um, but those ghosts, and Tim Powers, I think, does it as well as anybody when he talks about ghosts as these fragments of personality and that that in and of itself should be scary. Mm-hmm. That you're seeing something that's not, that it looks like it's a, a human but it's much thinner and less than a human. That's that's a scary concept, and, and I think he does it as well as anybody with this new modern post-science ghost. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the old ghost as literally something reaching across the realm of the dead to touch you, either in, you know, letting you see it and experience it, um, uh, or touch you in the literal Jamesian sense of get its maggoty claw on you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that, that doorway, uh, people sort of universally decided, well, let's go with the sort of folk belief about ghosts, which is that they're leftover pizza, pieces of people, not that they're messengers from the afterlife. And then I guess Fritz Leiber uh, is the other great uh, attempt to modernize the ghost story with Smoke Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's got a bunch of ghost stories, uh, some of which are really, really good. But it, I don't know if you're if you're gonna follow me all the way when I say that something like Smoke Ghost or even um, uh, um, Our Lady of Darkness, which is sort of a ghost story and sort of a wizard story, mm-hmm. um, are are more intellectual in that they are trying to think very hard about what should a ghost story look like in the modern era okay. that is about uh, subways and radios and television and uh, and architecture and, and, you know, the modern city and that a ghost is not something that's at the old uh, priory from 1890 or, or whatever. Yeah. That, and, and so Liber to me, is thinking so hard and so brilliantly about that problem. And when he writes both of those stories, which I emphasize are super scary and super great, mm-hmm. that it seems to me to be a, what if ghosts were like this than a, you know, let me tell you about ghosts. Yeah. Right. And Tim Powers, even though he's like I say, in this sort of post-scientist uh, ghost universe mm-hmm. is very much of the Jamesian, let me tell you about ghosts uh, tradition than uh, than library is, or even than Shirley Jackson, which is, let me tell you about yourself. Oh, and there's a ghost. Maybe. <laughs> and that's, I mean, again, she doesn't invent that. I, I think you can say that that's Henry James with Turn of the Screw, right? It's the, yeah. 
he's trying. I mean, he's a no, he's a novelist of the interior life. That's that's where he made his um, uh, 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 crust sandwiches with the crust cut off. Is is in that sort of almost ridiculously belabored interiority, and so you know you can say Shirley Jackson sort of modernizes the ghost story to be about the psychology of the individual, but of course Henry James thought everything was about the psychology of the individual. And so Turn of the Screw is about that as well. But Turn of the Screw, and I, and I think this is where you're right, and we're talking about you know people being a part of their setting. Mm-hmm. When James is writing Turn of the Screw, he's writing it in a setting where the ghost story is in this sort of classic uh, British old mode of some ancient sin that is reaching through the veil of the of the dead of the dead to get to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what his ghost looks like and feels like in the story in a way that it sort of doesn't in Hill House. We don't ever hear, for example, oh yeah, in Hill House, you know, someone went crazy and stabbed everyone with a knife yeah. or um anything like that. There's no, you know, legend of Hill House that they uncover where it's like, oh, she wants her wedding dress back or or it, it, the sort of the Literally the oldest ghost story in the world that we know of mm-hmm. is a story from classical Greece about a philosopher who comes along and he sees a ghost and he figures out that, oh, that guy wasn't buried correctly and he orders him to be dug up and buried correctly and the ghost goes away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are classics. Those are definitely classics. Yeah. What ingredients do you think constitutes a good ghost story? If I'm going to make a ghost story with my Instant Pot, what are the base ingredients that I should start with besides ghost? I mean, um, James, uh, and again, I'm not going to sit here and question M.R. James, mm-hmm. who, as you know, is is a, is a deity. Um, James says that the story has to feel like something that might happen mm-hmm. and probably might happen to you. Okay. Or if not to you, might have happened to your dad, right? Yeah. James, with very few exceptions sets his stories basically in the same era that he's writing. His characters are super concerned about medieval stuff, but they live in modern times. He doesn't write a medieval ghost or even a 17th century ghost. The ash tree mm-hmm. is sort of that, but it's um, mostly about a, a modern day event. And so he says, that's what has to be true for you to buy it and make it a thing that genuinely gets under your skin and worry you. And so Weirdly enough, you would say a, a contemporary setting and, and believable character. And then you have to have the atmosphere. What does the story feel like? Um, there's no point in having a an action story and then a ghost shows up. Yeah. Right? Um, and then uh, there has to be a point. And what James called the nicely managed crescendo. And that point can be, aren't maggots horrible? Or, <laughs> or that point can be... Um, uh, blood will out, or that point can be, don't be an evil wizard, kids. It doesn't pay <laughs> off. But there has to be a moment that I think has to sort of combine all of the types of terror. It has to be the sort of culmination of lingering dread. It has to just um, uh, be disgusting in some way, and it has to scare the bejesus out of you. And that's what James's climaxes all do, is when you suddenly see the uh, the the thing, or you suddenly read about what happened to the to the to the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a moment where you're like, oh, that's not good. And then uh, James can do it with indirection as well, like in Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, they looked at the sheets and they looked like a face crumpled up, and it's like, well, 
by itself, that's not scary. But when you've read the whole story, that's literally the scariest thing that happens, including the <laughs> fight with the ghost, right? Yes. <laughs> right? And so you have to have that sort of moment or image or place where you, the reader, touch faces or body parts to the to the manifestation. And that, you know, and that kind of has to happen because a ghost story in which you are creeped out and spooked out, but nothing really happens and you go away unsettled. I think that can be a good piece of fiction. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a ghost story, it's going to lack a certain something. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, then this is considered purely as a ghost story because Haunting of Hill House is maybe the second greatest horror novel ever written. All right. But considered purely as a ghost story, that's sort of the flaw with Hill House is that the moment where they literally touch the spectral where they're in 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 bed in the dark mm -hmm. and uh afterwards it's like well who is holding my hand and that's like terrifying but it's really just shirley jackson saying okay i've served you the ghost part now let's get out of the way and let me show you a woman disintegrating under pressure yeah and it's like well i'm i'm here all day for shirley jackson showing me a woman disintegrating under pressure but M.R. James would say, but we've, we we're finished with the ghost story. That's where you're going to have the ghost. That's your crescendo. And it happens about a third of the way into the novel. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, I reverence Haunting of Hill House. It's such a great novel. And if you do a Shirley Jackson day, I will come on and talk about it all day. All right. But, but, the but, you know, considered purely as a ghost story and Shirley called it a ghost story when she wrote about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a ghost story and then also a, a, a novel of psychological disintegration. Okay. In a way that a ghost story, and maybe this is the third thing about it, it has to be short. Yeah. Because that one moment has to hit you, and then you can't just go on and say, oh, well, but then I had to feed my cat. Right? <laughs> it's, that crescendo has to be that moment. And given the uh, constraints of both the human biophysical structure and prose you can only build that tension for so long yeah and i and i like the novel ghost story a great deal the peter stroud novel mm -hmm. but he sneaks in the, i mean that that's sneakily just an anthology of ghost stories by peter straub with the sort of murdery connection to it and he does a great job maintaining the sort of murdery suspense but the ghost stories part of ghost story are all those little short narratives by and large and then the big sort of overarching uh, uh, revenge story that the whole thing is about, I think it's it's a little weak. It's a little watered down, haha, -ha, because um, it, 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 it doesn't have that single crescendo. It, it has to keep stopping and doing ghost stories in order to keep you interested in that novel. Okay, yeah. Huh. Do you think that there's anyone who... It's, uh, I mean, you've, you've listed quite a few uh, people who write a good ghost story uh do, do you think there's anyone who's like making good ghost stories in other mediums these days oh there's tons of i mean there's a lot of good ghost movies yeah um for example and obviously the woman in black i think is a better play than it is a novel okay um uh so you can even say something is, which is and it's a perfectly good novel it's not a bad novel at all i'm mm -hmm. happy with it it's it's short it's to the point i think it may be the longest you can possibly make a ghost story be and still work at all okay. um, as a ghost story. But as a play, it's amazing. 
and and it's because it's shorter. <laughs> and so all of that is is boiled down and, and focused in. Um, and I think that uh, uh, obviously there's armies of great, great, great ghost movies because again, a two hour movie or a ninety minute movie mm-hmm. is that compressed uh, 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 time frame. You're not spending seven hours, eight hours reading it and having the you know very natural uh, waves of relaxation or, or uh, that happen in, over that period of time. Mm-hmm. You're there for the whole time, and so you can look at something, even something as as sort of mediocre as the Paranormal Activity movies. Mm-hmm. They they're very effective, right? Yeah, and and in terms of the straight up, you know, and and with the the, the Conjuring universe and and all the other uh, ridiculous, uh, insidious, and all the other modern day ghost movies that are more, you know. Uh, attempting to do creative jump scares than anything else. Yeah. That's still, I, I think that those are still certainly worthy uh, examples of doing a horror movie that you sort of are interested in getting a response out of, as opposed to a horror movie that you're just doing to, you know, to pay the rent. And then you get your movies like uh, Ringu, which is an amazing modern ghost movie. And yes, if you could figure out how to do Ringu <laughs> in prose, You'd have the the Beethoven of ghost stories. Yeah, I think. yeah. No, but, there was that when um, when you were talking about the Beethoven of ghost stories, I was like, personally, I was thinking like the probably the best modern ghost story I know of. When you asked me, twentieth oh, century, it's like, yeah, but it's a movie, so <laughs> exactly. And maybe that's the thing is that our our, our I mean, the, the ghost is a is a universal human concern. I mean, it's the I don't think that there is a culture in the world. Maybe there's one angry anthropologists writing in but i think every culture believes in the presence of the dead mm-hmm. in some sense they have ghosts they have spirits that come back from their ancestors and give them advice it's not always a horror thing but they believe in the presence of the dead and then most cultures have a presence of the malign dead that it might be someone else's ancestor coming to mess with you or it might be someone that you did do wrong to mm-hmm. or it might just be someone who's a jerk and won't let you go. Um, the sort of the motiveless malignity horrors, yeah. but they're still ghosts or shades or something from the afterlife. Yeah. And so that, that human desire to know what happens after you die. And that very human impulse to say, it's probably nothing good become ghost stories. I, I think in all cultures, in all times of history and certainly in all media. And you can say, once we invent virtual reality smell vision the virtual reality smell vision ghost story is going to come right around the pike. Um, <laughs> and I, I, and I do think that the, the narrative uh, restrictions of a movie, which is that it does have to take place in, you know, two hours or give or take, make it, I think a more naturally good form than the novel, for example, mm-hmm. for a ghost story. I don't know that it's not, it, it's going to beat prose, the prose short story, uh, because again, I'm an old M.R. James Stan. Yeah. But I think that you know most ghost movies that are any good are at least as good as all but the very best ghost stories in the moment while you're experiencing them. Even though afterwards you're like, well, that was kind of, eh. yeah, yeah. And but you're saying that to compare it to Ringu, <laughs> not to compare it to uh, reading um, uh, the Beckoning Fair One or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yes. While we're talking about uh, 
um, ghost movies. Uh, it's something that popped into my head, something that kind of is like always like kind of a ruins it for me moment when like the people are like, we don't know what's going on. I know. Let me call my friend from the first act who is a anthropologist or studies this at a school or has a rare book collection and is like, well, what you got here is a Bagul. This is Bagul. He, he goes around and he, he's, he, teaches children to kill their families and he's a bad spirit it's like oh man ethan hawk if you just hadn't have called your friend this would have been a good ghost story movie (laughs) (laughs) well i mean in fairness the revelation of the past is a core part of the jamesian ghost story it's not just creepy doings in the old church yeah but it's going and taking the rubbing and saying, oh, this priest was in league with the devil or taking the rubbing and saying, this priest straight up murdered a guy or taking the rubbing and saying, this priest was an alchemist or, or something mm-hmm. where you learn of the past that explains the horror and therefore adds a, what do I want to say? It doesn't weaken the horror. It strengthens it because you're like, oh, and now your intellect is, is in on the, team to to mess with you along with uh everything else because your intellect is like well that's what happens you get an alchemist that'll happen and so i think that the where ethan hawk calls his friend is i don't think that it necessarily ruins the story but it's when he calls his friend and he says oh you got there a bagul and it 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 turns children against you well how do you stop the bagul oh it's simple you just uh, (laughs) use a weapon in your left hand it's like well all right thanks uh professor yeah. And then he goes off and he gets his left-handed weapon and there's a moment where he drops it or he has his left hand chopped off by the ghost or something. And then so there's a, a ideally some sort of moment of terror. But it's like, oh, all right, Kryptonite takes down Superman. Thanks a lot. We've learned a lot now. Yeah. And the the notion that every ghost has an anti-ghost to it is uh, kind of fatal to terror because the whole point is these ghosts are supposed to be able to come through the wall of the world and mess with you. Mm-hmm. And... If it's just a, you know, oh, you just spray for ghosts and they go away, yeah. that's less interesting than, oh, you have to find their dead body and and, and uh, give it a proper burial. Or you have to uh, you have to die because you're the uh, the, the son, you know, you're the, the great grandson of the guy who murdered his, his father or mm-hmm. something like that. Some element of closure that has to happen as opposed to just a, oh, you just spray for ghosts, you know, yeah. right away from my 100% ghost proof candle or something yeah yeah no no i i think it's it works great in like gothic tradition and in like lovecraftian stories but i feel like when they take it from like that and like put it into movies like oh i know how to how we can fix this ending real quick it's 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 like if like ghostbusters they would have been like well according to tobin's spirit guide if we cross the streams on our proton packs that'll send gozer back i mean i don't know (laughs) I mean, but again, that is sort of what happens. It's just sure. that, you know, instead of Tobin's spirit guide, it's Egon who figures yeah. it out. But you still have a sense that they're risking, you know, they're they're sacrificing something. They're they're risking something. Yeah. They're like, well, we could we could be sucked in. It, it, it could blow us all up. We could get total protonic reversal. Yeah. And um, uh, and again, in the structure of oh, it's a comedy with Dan Aykroyd in it. It's not going to murder the main cast. So you know, quote no. But because it's so well told, and I think that even your Ethan Hawke calls his professor, and you have to use a left-handed weapon, if you filmed that correctly, that could be a great ending. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Right? In the same way that the end of Ghostbusters is, in fact, 
a really satisfying, strong ending mm-hmm. because there is that moment of tension. You're like, oh, you know, even though you know that they're going to survive, you're wondering because the fiction has made it very clear that there's a risk. And then they feel like, oh, they've killed uh, um, uh, Lewis and um, uh, Dana, even though they've sent Gozer back. And then, oh, they're alive and it's a happy ending. It's a perfect <laughs> a uh, happy comedy ending because it ends even with a, with a marriage implicitly. And so, um, and, and so it, it, the structure of it is, is, is nearly perfect. And the way that it's filmed and, and, and put together gives you that. So you can have literally the lamest imaginable story as long as the filming is good, because again, what do they do in Ringu? They go back and they investigate her past. It just turns out that it's completely irrelevant to helping her. Yep. <laughs> right. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. You thought this was a Western ghost story where there was a fix. Yep. <laughs> All you've done is made it worse. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's one of those yeah. things. It's it's. I really loved Ringo. Uh, the, the the video that they create for that is just. I'm, I've loved the video that they've created for that, and the whole like twist is like, oh, you thought you could fix this, but you can't. It's yep. the only thing you can do is pass it on. Yep. 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 And so strong. That's and again, that's. I mean, it, it, I, I think you're right. I think that if or we're right, is that that is the Beethoven yeah. ghost moment is that it's like, oh, the world is haunted. You, you're, <laughs> you have got it the wrong way around, MR. It's not, you know, your fusty med, uh, antiquarian can come in and sort of understand ghosts and then maybe get away. Uh, it's your fusty antiquarian. And that's the Lovecraft realization, really, is mm-hmm. that. The, the fustier the antiquarian, the more horrible they can make it for themselves. Yeah. But that, uh, but by Ringu sort of pulling it into the, um, uh, you become complicit in the horror. I mean, even Lovecraft never did that, right? Yeah. I mean, people were complicit in the horror, but not as heroes. Um, and they would write very, very strongly, don't spread this horror <laughs> while writing up the horror. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, can, can you imagine, uh, being at, at um, uh, Harvard or, or uh, 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 the British Explorer Society and you get the Mountains of Madness and your response is, well, I guess we shouldn't investigate that then. <laughs> there's, there's no way. But, but Lovecraft's characters are all, you know, uh, within, again, this sort of believable fiction. We have to get the ghost story somehow or the horror mm-hmm, story mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. They're writing it down as a warning so that no one will ever do it. But the notion that you have to become complicit in the haunted world, that you have to slip into the other side is that's, that's a big shift. And again, I, I'm willing to bet that someone has done it in prose fiction, mm-hmm. but uh, Ringo, I think does it very, very clearly and very, very loudly. Yeah. I mean, to, to an extent it's the old, Oh, it's haunted by you ending that uh, <laughs> we all remember from summer camp. But to sort of really reify that and, and explain what that means, that you are the haunting presence in the world. Again, it's, it, it, it's I guess, uh, prefigured by Shirley Jackson, where Eleanor is both the ghost and the victim of the ghost, in that she is the haunter, and because she is blending with the house, is also the haunty, right? Yeah, yeah. So do you have any examples of stories, and let's go with, like, People who are dead, like long dead, like literary, <laughs> literary people, so that you know we don't have to upset anyone except for um, lit majors. Is there anything out there that you think 
people call a ghost story that really shouldn't be called a ghost story or vice versa? Like, is there something that isn't called a ghost story that by all definitions by Ken Height should be called a, a ghost story? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, the, one of the things that the very early guys used to do is that they would, and this is what they got the bad habit that they got out of the Gothic mm-hmm. is they would set up this amazing ghost story and then they would say, Oh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And I think the best example of that is the legend of sleepy hollow. Okay. Right. Because Washington Irving just takes you right there and he sets it up and he's like, Here's the story. And he even does the ghost story within the ghost story, yeah. which is very cool. Peter Straub is like jealous of Washington Irving. Um, and he's and he sets it up and he's like, Brom Bones is telling the story of the ghost. And then um, Ichabod Crane vanishes. But then here comes Washington Irving to wink and nod and say, Brom Bones just beat him up and ran him out of town. Yep. That was all. Thanks for playing, everybody. <laughs> Read my book, The Alhambra, on sale in the lobby. <laughs> and 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 so Legend of Sleepy Hollow is, uh, for me, super frustrating when you read it because it, it's in a similar way, uh, while we're getting people mad, mm-hmm. as um, uh, The Devil's Backbone is yeah. super frustrating because there is an amazing ghost story in The Devil's Backbone, and yep. it's about 20 minutes long. And then it's just a movie about the Spanish Civil War was bad. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm on your side about the Spanish Civil War being bad, but that's not a ghost story, Guillermo. <laughs> you did your ghost story, and it was amazing. And it turns out, but really, what's important is fascism. It's like, well, I guess, but you did lure me in here with a ghost story. <laughs> it's like, you know, Washington Irving saying, what's really important here is the timeless folkways of Dutch New England. It's like, no, important here's the ghosts. Get it right. And then anything like that where it's the ghost story as a didactic story, Mm -hmm. I think ruins it. And I think Christmas Carol, I'll I'll say it. I think Christmas Carol's a a dumb ghost story because Ebenezer Scrooge sees the ghost of Marley and Marley's like, you'll become like me and chained up in hell. And Scrooge is like, okay. (laughs) And... I don't believe you. I, I ate a big dinner and then the ghost of Christmas past and present and future show up. And it's like, it's just, the ghosts are just bullying Scrooge didactically. It's yep. like, don't be a jerk. Scrooge. And it's, it's not like I'm pro Scrooge. I think he's a jerk. Although find me anyone else who would employ tiny Tim to do anything. But anyway, <laughs> um, and it's just, the ghosts are beating you over the head with the moral. Yeah. You'd be better than that, Charles Dickens. I mean, I, I guess Charles Dickens. But I mean, when Dickens writes short stories, um, some of his ghost stories are actually pretty good. But uh, and they're proper ghost stories, I would point out. But um, but a ghost story that just puts a ghost in to lure you and then leave you with something else mm-hmm. is even worse than the ghost story that's like, oh, but it wasn't a ghost. Yeah. Oh, it was mirrors and hypnotism. Oh, it was this. And the reason that I, my exception, I guess, would be the Karnacki stories, which half of them are that, is because that's genuinely the point, is to figure out, is it a real ghost or is it a fake ghost? And if it's always a fake ghost, then there's no horror. But if it's always a real ghost, then there's no mystery. And what the Karnacki stories, none of them individually really work, uh, except Whistling Room and, and maybe The Hog. But as a corpus... 
they work amazingly well because you are in a world where you don't know if there's ghosts at this point. And maybe there's a ghost, maybe there's not a ghost. And although Karnacki literally has a ghost protecty pentacle, mm-hmm. you never get the sense. It's much like Ghostbusters, where because of the way that those things built up, and especially Mystery of, Mystery of the Whistling Room, and especially in The Hog, you get the sense that, yeah, this could go south at any point, mm-hmm. and bad things could go down. And even though you know, oh yeah, Karnacki's telling this story in flashback, he wasn't eaten by a ghost. You, (laughs) in the moment, have the genuine uh, spectral terror that M.R. James does. And again, in M.R. James, there are plenty of cases, maybe not the majority, but there are plenty of cases where the narrator dies. And then you're, oh right, James began this with a guy saying, I heard this story from a friend of mine. Yeah. But he's not with us anymore. And it was like, (laughs) oh right, yeah, M.R., you tricked us. Uh, Remembering that that the narrator who dies is not the real narrator. Um, and, and so James plays with that a little bit, although with James, the the crescendo, the experience, the ghostly experience is always so great that it it barely matters, I think. Uh, this is a strong statement. I'd I back off this if someone pushed me. But it barely matters what happens to the narrator after they've had that ghost experience. You almost don't care if they live or die. Okay. Which is, it, it's just a lie on the face of it. I don't know why I say these things. I mean, obviously you care if the if the nice boy in Tractate Midot gets uh, with the cute girl and they... Uh, get a nice middle-class living. You want that to happen, but really, you want to touch a mummy in that story. <laughs> oh, man, mummies. That's, that's uh, yeah, no, that's uh, ghost yeah. and bandages. <laughs> well, mummies mummies are a whole, I mean, we, we have no time to do mummies. No, no, we no, do we, we don't need time. to do a taxonomy of the dead. <laughs> or the well, I'm here for it. Let oh, me know. No. Let me know when you're doing the taxonomy of the dead program, and I'm there. Oh man, yeah, no, there definitely. With my, with my bad Greek and worse Latin. <laughs> Nothing can be worse than mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and again, um, there. Uh, I think TV ghosts mm-hmm. have a problem with that same sort of iterative thing, because um, in the show Supernatural, at least, when they fight ghosts, mm-hmm. it's in a panoply of other horrors. So you kind of get that. But shows where it's just ghost after ghost after ghost, they either get super samey in a way that M.R. James manages to not, although M.R. James's stories are very much of a type. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them. Um, but also, they run the risk of very not just immunizing the hero, like the Karnacki stories mm-hmm. uh, somehow don't, but also of making ghost appearances be anodyne. Yeah. And this is not even in a show like The Ghost Whisperer, which is literally about, you know, oh, let's all come together as people and a ghost. Um, <laughs> but it's just that even, even a show that has a ton of ghosts in it that are all scary is going to seem very samey. It's like, how many ghosts are you going to run into, main yeah. character? Even if you're a professional ghost investigator, uh, surely at some point you're. This is just another day at the work. You're like an exterminator. Yeah. You're not. Nothing special is happening to you. Um, and, have... and again, that's part of why Karnacki works is because you do get the sense that even though he's encountered the ab human, it's always special when it happens to him. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely for like uh, horror and science fiction shows, I think the most effective ghost episode is like the the one off the bottle episode where it's like, okay, we blew our budget last week and now we have to do like someone transparent on green screen in the next room mm-hmm. and we're just going to yep. use our normal set to get rid of a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally blanking on things, but I'm thinking of like uh, things from the 70s, like uh, not Incredible Hulk, but like Fall Guy or uh, <laughs> shows yeah. that don't have ghosts normally. It's like, oh man, we blew our budget. We need to. <laughs> now we have to do a ghost episode. Yep. Chips. I mean, even Buffy did did um, uh, her ghost episode was pretty much a one off too. Yeah. Right when the high school was possessed or whatever it was, and everyone was reenacting the roles of the old dead high schoolers. Huh. That was fun. It had nothing to do with Buffy, but it was great. That's cool. Uh, again. I think it was because they ran out of money for vampire faces. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. D- d- TV, TV's fun with ghosts, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, like yeah, and in theory, I mean, obviously, we've seen those um, Mr. James dramatizations on the BBC. Mm-hmm, a TV mm-hmm. episode should be a perfect ghost length. Yeah, even better than a movie, right? Oh, yeah. You get a a forty-four minute ghost story. That's pretty strong. Yeah, but by the time you get you know bored of the living people i mean it's over it's over right (laughs) exactly so you can you could you could in theory if anyone ever bothered to write good ghost stories um you in theory you could really focus on that crescendo that james talks about and uh the atmosphere uh x files did atmosphere when they did nothing else they did atmosphere right so atmosphere seems like it would be the easy part um, and then you just have to have a really great crescendo and you can have some amazing televised ghost stories. And I think besides the BBC ghost stories, I, and that one Buffy episode, I can't really think of a lot of really strong TV ghosts. I don't want to say there's not a good representation of ghosts or ghost stories on television on a regular basis, but yeah, there's nothing that just jumps out at me that goes, oh yeah, there was that one episode of Doctor Who in the seventies that I liked that had mm-hmm. a ghost in it. But Yeah. And again, I mean, this is, this is one of the, the great, I mean, one of the best ghost movies that is not a ghost movie at all, it's a haunted house movie, but mm-hmm. it's not a ghost movie, is The Stone Tape, oh. which was done by uh, the great uh, Nigel Neal mm-hmm. uh, for British television in the 70s, for, and it's cheap as dirt. The, the story is that they're um, going out to set up a computer center in some old house, mm-hmm. uh, and weird ghost stuff starts happening and they figure out oh the actual rocks in the house are recording those events they're just playing them back just something weird about the rocks and they're like oh if we can harness this as a computer storage technology we'll be zillionaires (laughs) and of course that's a terrible idea as a child told you but it is an amazingly I mean I talked about the post-scientist ghosts already this is the that taken to its nth level and it's amazing but it deliberately goes out of its way to sever that connection with the traditional that i would have argued absent the stone tape is vital for ghosts so anyone who hasn't seen the stone tape see the stone tape it's astonishingly good that sounds really good (laughs) i haven't seen that i'll admit that well ken it seems like we have not ran out of ghostly things to talk about, but we've run out of time. Just like ghosts. Just like ghosts. We have unfinished business. Does that mean that we are going to haunt each other? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Unless we're like uh, the ghosts in a uh, Anne Radcliffe uh, story, and you know, then right. we just Scooby Doo everyone in the end. Right. We'll be explained <laughs> away as hypnotism and mirrors. Exactly. <laughs> well, Ken, thank you so much, and I'm sure we'll have you on sometime very soon. I don't know if you want to talk about Beowulf or Old English sonnets next month, but that's what I got going on. I'm happy to talk about anything I need, but I'm much stronger on Beowulf than I am on sonnets. Oh, well, so cool, cool, cool. There we are. Well, we'll have you back next month, and thank you again, Fantastic. Ken, for being on the All right, show. Man. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Ken Hyde for coming on to the show to talk about ghosts. This has been another presentation of Black Clock Audio Tales with D.B. Spitzer and special guest Ken Height. Subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts, rate, review, and, you know, give us five stars if you feel like it. And also check out our sponsor, bunnyslippers.com and founditemclothing.com. And you know what? Check out Ken Height at Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. And also uh, just Google Ken Height and you'll find all kinds of stuff that he's worked on. And check out uh, the Stone Tape. That sounds like a pretty cool one. If you can track down any of those MR James BBC presentations, do it. I highly recommend it. It's, it's exactly what you expect, which is awesome. So thanks again for listening to Black Clock Audio Tales. Rate, review, subscribe. PGTTCM.com is our website. And PGTTCM, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, is our monthly show on the last Tuesday. Thank you.